0: Hey, welcome back to Recovered, Redeemed, Victorious. I'm your host, Leanne, and I am a recovered drug addict and alcoholic. Today, we're going to continue looking at the biblical principles, which support each of the 12 steps used in various recovery circles. As I've mentioned before, one does not have to be an addict or an alcoholic to find benefit from using these steps in our daily living. In fact, as Christians, I believe these steps can help us grow in relationship with the Lord and become more useful in our sharing of the gospel. This episode today will be focused on step six and seven. Step six says we were entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. and step seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. So first, step six can be broken down into a a couple of Um, chunks, right? The first piece is entirely ready. And the second piece to have God remove these defects of characters. Well, first, we must understand what a defect of character is. Um, Defect is defined as a shortcoming, a fault or an imperfection. And character is defined as features and traits that form the individual nature of a person. So a defective character would be a shortcoming fault or imperfection in the traits and features that form us as individuals, as their natural persona that we are as human beings. In the last episode, we looked at steps four and five, and we discovered the roots of our stumbling blocks for sin. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 reminds us that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, who really knows how bad it is. So we took a look at how bad it really is, right? Um, we've developed patterns throughout our lives which help us cope or survive. Um, we've relied on our own flesh and power, and these patterns often cause us to act out in sinful ways. In 1 Corinthians six twelve, it says, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. So in our previous um, review, we recognized all the ways that sin had brought us under its power and we were allowing sin to control us. Um, We made a list of all these areas. Then we confessed these areas to another human being. Romans 7.25 says, Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. So we confessed all these human nature, worldliness, and sinful capacities that we have through just coping mechanisms or survival instincts over the course of our lives that we've developed, we confess these to another human being. And we identified these specific areas where we continue to fall short of God's glory as we, you know, we know that very popular verse from Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So now we have this list of what, we, what we're going to call character defects or shortcomings Now what do we do with them, right? I have this list of places where I struggle. Now what? Well, now we're at step six and seven. Now we're ready to kneel at the foot of the cross. And number one, admit we have these defects and shortcomings. And number two, submit to the Holy Spirit and allow God's hand to work in and through us to remove them. So there's a key of admitting and which in order to admit something, you have to be willing to admit that these areas are causing problems or can cause problems if not resolved. And then we have to um, recognize God's power that he can and will remove these defects from us. Um, so the first part of step six says entirely ready. What does that mean? Um, well, that means that, number one, we accept that our defects are real. Um. In Titus, one five through uh, fifteen through sixteen, it says everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim they know God, but they deny Him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. So, as believers, as Christians, we cannot, in good conscience continue to live the way that we were living and continue to rely on these sinful patterns uh, because then we become detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Um, James 4.17 says, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So we identified all these areas and now we need to recognize and Admit that we cannot continue on this path, and you know we can't continue to know what's right, but continue to do wrong. First John, one, eight says, "If we have no sin, refusing that to admit that we are sinners, we delude ourselves, and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts." So we need to say yes. You know what? I have sin. I have patterns in my life that lead me to sin. It's time to let them go and being willing to, to even say that and recognize that patterns throughout our lives have caused trouble for us. So now we're ready to accept that these areas lead us to sin, which then in turn leads us to death. There's a really powerful path, passage in Hebrews 10, starting at verse 26, says, "For we, if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins, that is, no further offering to anticipate, but a kind of awful and terrifying expectation of divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much greater punishment do you think he will deserve who has rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God and has considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and has insulted the spirit of grace who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, retribution and the deliverance of the just will rest on me. I will repay the wrongdoer, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, encouraging incurring his judgment and wrath. Whew, that's a pretty powerful passage right there. So if we go it says if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So we received the knowledge of the truth in the first three steps, right? We admitted that we're powerless that the Holy Spirit has the power, and now we want to walk in the way of righteousness by turning our will over to the care of God. Steps four and five, we identified all the areas that we continue to deliberately sin, and now if we don't take this step and become entirely ready for God to remove these areas from our lives, to, when I read this, it's almost like, a, like slapping God in the face. Saying, like, yeah, you know, thanks for sending Jesus to die for me, but you know what? I'm going to keep doing this thing over here because it makes me feel safe or it makes me feel happy or it it, it brings me some sort of comfort. Or you know what? I'm afraid that if I let go of this, some other part of my life is going to fall apart. I'm going to continue to engage in this sinful behavior because I'm scared of what will happen if I stop. Right. So it's in my mind when I read this passage, this is God telling us that, you know what, it's more scary and terrifying to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and wrath than it is to let go of our sinful patterns and our sinful habits, these things that we've developed um, through, through our lives, which we now, you know, have up to this point been relying on, for different things like safety and security and 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 whatnot. Um, in Romans six fifteen and sixteen, it says, "Well then, since God grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey?" You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So here we're making a choice, right? We're choosing that we want to obey God and lead the path of righteous living. Otherwise, if we choose sin, it leads to death, especially for those of us that have struggled with alcohol or drug addiction. Like these patterns can lead us back to that activity which in today's day and age, you know, me as being a recovered heroin addict, you know, it's a pretty scary world out there for a heroin addict with all of the, the fentanyl and things that they're mixing the drugs with. You don't know if you're actually getting heroin. You you never really did, but it's even scarier today. And people die all the time from drug overdoses because they're taking something that their body can't handle And in that moment, they're separate from God. You know, in that moment, it's you're choosing sin and it's leading to death. Um, So it's a pretty, that's a pretty clear line for me. You know, do I want to obey God and lead to a righteous living? Or do I want to risk continuing in these patterns and risk death? Um, For me, it's a pretty clear choice. And that's where we become entirely ready, where we take a look and we're like, you know what? If I continue on this path, it's not serving me. It's not doing me any favors. It's only leading me to a place of sinfulness and separation from God. And that's not where I want to be. So, yeah, I'm entirely ready. And then to have God remove these defects of character requires the knowledge and understanding that only God can remove these areas of struggle and only God will remove we can white knuckle try to remove these things from our own lives we can try to control different areas in our life you know whether you know maybe you struggle with looking at things on the internet and you're like you know what I'm just gonna take and and block the internet out right and I'm just gonna do this or that and and I'm gonna willpower my way through this so that I don't sin in this way um But you know that can only be maintained for so long before your flesh wins out. When you hand it over to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Uh, I need your help here. He is faithful and he will step in and provide a way for you to get out of that temptation. Um, Because it tells us in Romans 10... 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in Psalm 32, 5, it says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So we're going to tell the Lord, Hey, (laughs) Lord, I am done with this life. I can't live this life anymore. It's leading to nothing but unhappiness and causing problems so forgive me and show me how to to not walk in this anymore First um, John 1 9 says if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins he is faithful and just true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness our wrongdoing everything not in conformity with his will and purpose so he promises us If you admit that you've sinned and confess it, I'll forgive you. I will forgive you. And he's always true to his word, right? Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Right? So there it is. There's that life-giving spirit, which is going to remove these areas of struggle freed you from the power of sin. That's pretty clear, right? I love that. It's just, you know, one of those verses that um, early on in my walk with Christ before even getting clean and sober, I memorized, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I never read the second verse. I never read verse two. It says, and because of that, Because there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus, I now have the power of the life-giving spirit that has freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. That's a pretty important piece of information for a believer to have. That's That I no longer have to live under the power of sin. And 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. There's that faithfulness peace again right so not only do we have do we understand that God can can remove these areas of struggle but he is faithful and he will strengthen and guard us from the evil one because all sin is of the devil right so that's that's a topic probably for for another podcast but um the Lord is faithful and he'll continue to strengthen and guard us from these sinful things in our lives. So that's step six, right? We're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. Entirely ready. Accepted that our defects are real, accepted that they lead to sin, which leads to death, and God has the power and the willingness and the promise to remove them from us. Step seven is where we humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. So praying humbly. So I thought about this for a minute and like, okay, well, what does praying humbly mean? Well, what is biblical humility? So I did some thinking and and really I believe that it's seeing ourselves as God sees us, right? So how does God see us? God sees us as his children. And then on the flip side, we also have to see that God is powerful to do what we are asking, right? So we are not thinking of us, of ourselves in a subservient kind of um, way where we're not worthy, right? Not the humility where we're scraping and begging for things, but recognizing that we are the children of God and as children of God, he has more power than we do. He has all power. And the only power to do as we're asking. So as his children, um, Hebrews 12, 5 through 9, is a really good example of what it means in a one of the ways to be God's child. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? So it's a really great reminder that, you know father's discipline, parents discipline, right? So we're coming to the Lord saying, okay, discipline me, right? Humbly asking for his discipline, saying, okay, these are the areas that I need your help, Lord, show me your divine discipline. And remembering that even though sometimes getting rid of these character defects is not fun, you know, it can be, you know, emotionally painful, or, you know, if you're a drug addict, and you have to stop doing drugs, you're going to go through some physical things that are not going to be fun. But this is a form of discipline, remembering that God's treating us as his own children and disciplining us out of love, right? And if he didn't love us, there would be no discipline. Um, James 4, 6 through 8 says he gives... Generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So here we're humbly saying, you know, I don't want my my loyalty to be divided between you, God, and the world. I want my loyalty to be with you only. So help me to resist. Show me how to resist the devil. And I'm humbling myself before you so that the grace can be generously poured upon me. And a couple of, you know, the Psalms are some really great places to find some humble prayers that have been recorded by the psalmists. And the one of them is in Psalm 25, 8 to 11. It says, the Lord is good and does what's right. He shows a proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. So really there's the last piece of that is a prayer for the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. But there's a promise in here that the Lord is good and does what's right. So there's that promise that even though um, we may have gone astray in the past, he he will do what's right and he'll... Show us the proper path, and He will lead us in doing right and teaching us His ways. And He'll lead us with His unfailing love and faithfulness. There's that faithfulness piece again. He's faithful. If we obey His covenant and obey His commands, He promises to show us the proper path. And that's a way to remove our our shortcomings. A way to remove these character defects is to have the Lord show us His path. And then. Um, in Psalm 51, 10 through 12, here is a prayer says, create in me a clean heart. O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Right? Because a lot of these shortcomings are disobedient, right? A lot of our character defects cause us to disobey the direct commandments of the Lord. Um, so restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That is awesome. I love that. I love that so much. And then, you know, so we're asking him to remove our shortcomings. Um, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Um, when I read that, it makes me think, okay, so um, I need to turn from my wicked ways. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm recognizing that these shortcomings need to be removed. And I'm humbly asking God. So I'm turning from my wicked ways and I'm seeking the face of God. And he's going to hear me. There's a promise here. He's going to hear me from heaven and he will forgive my sins and restore me because I'm seeking him. Psalm 149.4 says, the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory, right? So it promises me that I'll be crowned with victory when I humbly approach the throne and say, Lord, I want to submit to you as your child. Correct me, guide me, show me the way. And John 15 Two, it says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. That's that's a promise right there that if we humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings, he'll do it. Right? It says right here that, and, you know, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking about, you know, abiding in him and the, you know, the pruning um and the vine dresser and that, you know, even so we're we can continue to be walking in righteousness and bearing fruit, right? But there can still be areas in our lives that need to be pruned back, right? That we need to continually have these areas cut from our lives and have him remove our shortcomings so that we can continue to bear more and more fruit, richer and finer fruit, you know, continue to cut back the weeds and things that cause us to, um, that could choke us out and cause us to not not bear enough fruit. And then uh, lastly, in step seven, um, we need to have faith that he will remove our character defects. Um, in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, he says, Um, to trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. So there's a promise. It says, you know, that if you trust and rely on the Lord with all your heart, um, he will make your path straight and remove obstacles that block your way in matthew twenty one twenty two says whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you will receive, so you believe if you go to the Lord humbly asking him, believing that he's going to remove these defects of character from you he'll do it he'll remove your stumbling block block romans eight thirty seven says yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, and gave an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. so there it is again we there's a promise there that we will gain an overwhelming victory over these things through him, right? There's that focus back on God, back on Jesus, back on the Holy Spirit, that through him is how we obtain our victory. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So there, that's promise again. You know, if you're born of God, if you're born again, you are victorious, and overcome the world. That's powerful to me, right? As being a, a born again Christian, I have victory, in Jesus. You know, I these patterns that I developed throughout my life don't have to control me. He has promised that I have victory over them through him. And Luke, you know, lastly, this is a really, you know, I, I there's lots of different um, versions of this passage. It's Luke 137. Um, I'm going to actually read you all the versions because there's one that I really like. The most. And so, like the New King James says, for with God nothing will be impossible. And we hear this quoted a lot through with God nothing's impossible, and with God nothing's impossible, for with God nothing is or ever shall be impossible, right? The New Living Translation translates it as for the word of God will never fail. I love that translation, right? Because that puts emphasis on every Bible verse that I read today. It says the word of God will never fail. So if I found it in the Bible, it's true and it will never fail. So if he says he's going to give me something that I believe in, he'll give it to me, right? If he says he's going to prune me and discipline me and make my path straight, as long as I continue to seek him and keep my eyes on him, he will fulfill that promise, right? There's a piece of obedience that goes with all of the promises, right? So for the will of God, sorry, the word of God will never fail. I just love that. That's Luke one thirty seven in the New Living Translation. That just gives me so much peace when it's translated that way, that I can trust in everything that I read and it will not fail me. Um. So finally, there's a prayer suggestion that they use in 12-step recovery on how to ask God to remove defects of character. So I'm just going to read that prayer to you and then close in the usual way with my verses in Ephesians. Um, but first, the 7-step prayer suggestion says, Heavenly Father, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad, please remove from me every single defect of character, every single shortcoming, every single pattern which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and others. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So I hope that everyone got something uh, really amazing from this recording today. I love everyone that listens in and joins me on this podcast. I'm going to close with my usual prayer from Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I love you all. God loves you all. I will talk to you all really soon. God bless.